1: Welcome to the Dr. Joe show. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Two weeks in a row, Tom. That's right. We got a, we got a little baseball champion, a uh, little Mr. Timmy Chapp, Timmy Styles. Timmy Styles. I know. And, and, and his
0: brother was, I mean, the Styles family seemed to be just really just revving it up and making it happen. I'm very, very happy and proud for them. We miss you, Mark. And with that, Tom. Could you introduce our guest for tonight? Yeah, we got Frank. Oh, that's good. Done. thank <laughs> you very much. Come on, let's hear it, Tom. Let's hear it, Tom.
1: Well, he is a celebrated New England actor. Notable roles include Leon Cholgosh in Assassins, Pythor McGon in Shadow Gods, and Peter Pan in the BSU original immersive theater production, An Awfully Big Adventure. Yeah. He is a self-taught musician who has taken his lumps, learned his lessons, and is on the right path. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank I. Quinta. (laughs) Thanks, gang. Hello,
0: Frank I. Quinta. It's so nice to have you on the show. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Frank. Tom has Mm -hmm. given us quite an introduction. Self-taught actor. What's
1: going on? Well, I'm 26 years old. I'm living in Worcester, Mass. Um, I... For as long as I can remember, I think acting was – that was the one thing that I ever did, like, pretty well with in life. I played, you know, every sport, every kid played as a child, baseball, basketball, soccer. And I was just – I was awful. I was so bad at all these things. Like, it was – and it was just pitiful. And um, actually going into high school, all of my buddies – we're all going to do, I think they were doing like the car auto shop as their like extracurricular like class they took every day. And so I was like, oh, cool. I'll do that too. So we all signed up for that. And then day one of high school, I got my thing and they actually put me in theater, which I had done in middle school by accident. And I was like, oh, like a few of my friends were going to do this like auto shop thing. And I was like, and now I'm left to do theater. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll just do it. And I just stuck with it. And then it just took off. I did every show I could in high school. Thankfully, I always found myself in a position of like whatever schooling I was in, whether it be high school or college, there was always just shows happening. And, you know, I never got to go to any like crazy renowned theater program anywhere, but I think like an upside is I got to be in so many shows and I got, good roles that I got to really dig into and having to work with a director for an extended period of time at such a young age. By the time I got into college, I had countless hours sitting, dissecting scripts and working on this stuff. And um, thankfully, I honestly got rejected from so many like big schools. I auditioned at Emerson. I got rejected. I know people that got in there who had been acting for less time than me. And I'm sitting there like, oh, come on. Like, (laughs) it should have been me. And all in all, you know, obviously it ended up leading to where I am now that I got into Bridgewater State where I met Tom.
0: Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. It really does. got to believe, got to believe.
1: It's so so hard to remember that too. That's the worst. The worst thing is you always, you can look back and go, Oh, all of that had to happen for a reason and you you're happy with it. But then it's when you're in it, that's when you forget. Sometimes you're like, Oh, you have to really remind yourself like, this is even happening for some reason I'll be thankful for eventually might as well be thankful now.
0: You know, yes. that's sort yes. of the thing. And, and it really, it's really important to be in that moment because all sorts of things are happening and there's opportunity in everything. You just have to be able to recognize it. Mm. And you're right. If you hadn't been rejected, <laughs> but you were accepted somewhere. That's Absolutely. the part. Yeah, it, it is true. I mean, the theater community is... I. I find one of the most welcoming, endearing communities, and you can meet people that you just connect with. You just really can connect with. It's not always easy, but it really, there's nothing like that showtime, when all of a sudden it's your turn to be on stage. So Frank, what is the appeal about theater for you? What do you love about
1: it? I think it's like, never in my life do I ever, and I'd say most theater people will agree, like you never have anything that centers you and puts you more in the moment than being on stage. It's yeah. the most vulnerable you'll ever be like in the history of your life, because I, I did a, uh, I went to a theater competition where you did like a monologue and a song I think 27, no, 2015 when I was in college. And there was a big, it was supposed to be this big competition and like a quarter of the people showed up to do this competition. And since less people came to the event as a whole, they had a master class that day on acting and singing with Betty Buckley, who was in the original cast of uh, Cats. She's the one who sings Memory for anyone mm-hmm. that doesn't know. She, sure. you know. She's a legend. And I was like, oh, she's doing that thing. And then they said, you know what? Since so few of you showed up for this thing, you can all go for free if you want. And I was like, I mean, I was like, man, I don't know. And then my mentor at the time was like, get in that goddamn room. Like you are going in there. You're learning from Betty Buckley. I was like, absolutely. So we went in and the way she described it was, she just had this beautiful way of, you know, everyone had to close their eyes. And she was just talking about how when you're on stage, there's this connection of you and this invisible line to one person in the audience. And at the same time, There's that connection with the person next to them. That person has a connection with the person in the very back of the audience. Literally everyone has not just one thing between the audience and the actor, but even each other. And it's the same, almost the same as like when people say they go see a movie, there's something about like being in a theater. And then there's something about being in the theater for live performance that just you're all connected knowing that, like, you know you know it's not real which is the most beautiful thing you don't even get the disbelief of like it's a screen and you have crazy cgi you can see all these things you've never seen before but this is like you'll never be as grounded and in a in a situation with another human as this it's the most like classic form of storytelling there is people sitting around a fire while two people stand up and act out some story you know it's this like ancient thing that has just survived forever and I, it saddens me that it's, you know, not as big as it could be. Um, I was at a theater company in Rhode Island called Second Story Theater for almost, I think, maybe like six months. And I'd done three shows back to back to back for them and with them. And I got paid for it. And it was like good money as an actor. And, I, and they had all these shows lined up for the summer. And all of a sudden, this company that had been around for, I'm going to take a guess, I think it was around 20 years closed that summer like the year after because they just couldn't sustain they had opened a restaurant in there to try to get that to help keep it afloat and you just you could you knew all these people in this town like that was their thing to do but it just wasn't enough because they weren't getting outside people to come as well and um so you know i'm with the stuff i've been working on as much as i'm working on like music and trying to record an album and whatnot a big big goal of mine is always to somehow find my way back to a stage because at the end of the day like nothing else is going to get that itch like being on a stage and having that mm-hmm. that moment with those people you just you never you you remember every moment you know that feeling and it gives you goosebumps and
0: it's interesting you say that um so do you ever find in the theater though when you're on stage that you are so in the moment that you don't even realize you're doing it anymore, and you don't. Know, for, for me, when I when I was doing live theater on stage, I, I honestly I can't remember many of the moments on stage because I right there and then though that applause I never never forget any of that, and that's what sort of keeps coming back and bring, keeps bringing me back. That's you know the neurochemical that's going on in the brain. There, did did you know about oxytocin, not oxycontin, oh. but oxytocin. So it's the it's the neurohormone of trust. It's the chemical that's released when somebody says you're amazing, which is what an audience does. And you see you're smiling, even just thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> WATD, Frank was smiling, just thinking about it. That's how powerful this is when somebody says you're amazing and you get this rush. That's this major, major part of our brain called oxytocin. Oh, wow. that's, that's part of what, um, what theater is all about. It's such a powerful, powerful experience. People don't realize how addictive it is in oh its own God, way, yeah. Yeah. in its own way, but, but in a social way, as opposed to dopamine, which right. is all drugs and alcohol force the brain to make dopamine, which is a very selfish chemical and interferes with oxytocin. So, so Tom had, had made some allusion early on about the path that you took
1: Uh, through all of this what was did I miss something there or so I hit a point ultimately um, like I said I had gone to New York after school went and lived with my sister got to live on the couch and she Mm. covered like most of the rent by a long by a long shot and kind of let gave me the opportunity to go and uh, audition and try to you know dig into the world and well, a shout out to her. Thank you shout very much. To her, Gina. Thank you very she much. She is she's the best and she's an editor in uh New York City at Norton. She's Whoa, cool. Unbelievable. She's phenomenal. And thankfully over the years I've come to learn that like we are or similar in our like ability to put our heads down and just, you know, black out and get our work done. Just like totally zone in. And um so after that I there's there's a couple auditions, obviously, in New York, where, you know, you meet the directors and it's just two people like mean mugging you. You walk in and they're like yawning and they're looking at you like they're just very unimpressed. And then you're done and they go, thank you, bye. And you're like, wow, you all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's just like the movies. It, they are as rude as I thought potentially it could be. And I ended up leaving New York. I did I get a shoulder surgery on my left shoulder. I'm big into working out and training. It's a big part of my life because I just like I push my body to extremes just to find out what I'm capable of. Cause I enjoy that's a fun thing for me. It's to I, you know, I kind of zone out like I'm a little anime character, you know, like powering up and I just go nuts and I go balls to the wall. And it's it's just so it's fun. It's just a passion of mine. I can't put to rest even though it keeps biting me in the butt. So I got surgery and I had to move home. Then I got this opportunity down in Rhode Island for this theater company that I knew the um, technical director and I got to go audition for a show and they picked me up and I got to go down. And for a while, I just was only acting at this company and kind of how I was just making all my money for like these big stipends. I got from that big, not huge stipends, but it was a stipend. And I was scraping by, I lived with my aunt down there, met a wonderful woman. We, started dating and I moved to Providence. And then when I was in Providence, I was taking a train to Boston, trying to audition at uh, various places on there for commercials and things like that. And I'd get a commercial every month, month and a half, and I'd make enough money for me to pull my half of rent and stuff for a little bit. And eventually the relationship came to an end and we both moved back home. I just had to, and I moved back home and I realized I had just spent like four years not hanging out with friends of mine, rarely if ever, because I'm just on this hustle. I have this dream I've had and this drive in me my whole life to do something like, to just like live my own happy life and be happy and make sure like I don't sacrifice. And oddly enough, like I don't sacrifice like my happiness for anything. And here I spent years sacrificing friendships and community and things like that, that make you inherently happy and i sacrificed all those because i'm currently on a path to i just want to make my living from my art because that's what makes me feel alive i feel weird when i have a job that i'm giving 40 hours a week to and i'm like imagine if i had these 40 hours towards what i'm working on and i locked in on it i would be i could maybe you know maybe then i'll blow up maybe then i'll make it and so Acting was off the table for me. I came to a firm conclusion that I was like, you know, I'm there's no way I'm breaking into this industry. There's no ladder to climb anymore. There's, there's no, you don't even get to audition for things that are going to help pay you and sustain you anymore. And so I had a piano and I was thinking about music. I thought about music for a while. There was a musical I had wanted to write for a long time that I never really started because I have no training in music. I did voice lessons in college and that was it. And finally I sat down with myself and said, okay, like my, my biggest strength I have undoubtedly is just my passion and my love for art and creativity and wanting this life and wanting to give the world my own stories of love and compassion and spread that. That is why I think I'm on this planet. And that is just like, that's who I am in the easiest nutshell. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna direct 100% of this into music and I'm going to see what happens, and that was about a year and a half ago, I'd say, when I moved back home from Providence, and um, I made, I found some simple things. I, like, covered songs when I was in high school. I'd learn, like, the chords to, like, a Coldplay song and bang them out and sing, try to sing along, stuff like that, and after just hours and hours and days of sitting at a piano and just letting my fingers play along and learning other random people's songs so i learned what keys are where and what sounds good and what happens when i go from here to here and here to here i still i've never learned music theory i've never i'm by no means at all a trained musician i just learned by this desire to keep playing until i get it and finally like i got to wake up one day and i was like Oh, like, I think I get it. I was like, wow. Like, I think I'm, did I just write my first song and I wrote a full song and I was like, okay. And then a week later I wrote another song. And then for like four months, it was like another song, another song, another song, another song. This one has trumpets and this one has drums and a bass and a chorus and it comes back. And I was like, I didn't. And once again, like the whole time I'm sitting here going, I don't know what I'm doing, but I had this drive that if I was sitting with a song and I made 60 seconds of a song and I knew where I wanted it to go, I didn't know what chord to go to next, but in my head, I go, I think it's this. So I'm sitting, trying every combination of three to four fingers of all these different notes until I get it. And it would take, it would take so long. I would sit there for like an hour until I got one thing. And thankfully again, you know, it was just, it's just this thing. I think that was instilled in me young when I did play sports and how, Like we were talking earlier, everything literally, it has to happen for a reason. And being young and my father being there to push me in sports and be like, teach me, you know, like you go to the batting cages and you take a hundred pitches a day. You do this every day. You grind, you grind, you hustle, you hustle, you work on it. You'll get better at the sport. And I just decided, all right, he's a smart man. I'm going to take all that and apply it to this other thing. Maybe it'll work, you know, and, and so far it's made me so happy. And I can listen to some of these songs and find new things in them as I listen to them and find so much comfort in them that already it's a win already. It's something I'm so happy that I did. And I guess the path question led to, I just changed paths. It was, you know, but Frank, I want to hear
0: some of your music. How can we hear your music right now on the air? Want to play something? We got a tape. What's going on?
1: This was, this was fun. Because this was the first time, like when, like I said, I think I started making music two years ago now, if that, and probably then. And this was the first time there was any sort of parameter on what I was making. Because up until then, it has been like the most freeing, creative, like there's no, like it's a blank slate every time I make a song because I wasn't trying to angle anything into one specific idea for an album or anything. It was just create, create, create. And this was, you know try to make this song as like a potential music for the ad for this, like this wonderful theater company, which I hope I can learn more about too from you, the drug story theater. And, um, and I had watched the initial ad that there was, and I was like, okay. And I'm trying to sit there and I'm acting like I'm actually learning in the moment of like, okay. Yep. I can start sloth. And then in my, and I was like, I I just got to start writing something. And Mm. for me, it was, It was good. I had just taken a two year um, leave from leave. A, I went sober for two years from alcohol, and I hit a point where it was when my ex and I had broken up, and I, you know, I knew my past self enough, and I knew I didn't want everything in my life to fall apart, and I knew the kind of person I am, and I was like, you know, there's a chance I'll end up just leaning on alcohol a lot for the next like six months of my life if I don't, because I was I hit a very low place, so I said I'm just not going to drink, and I just. I just kept going the first year and by and I was like, well, I did it a year and now it's COVID. So might as well keep going. You know what I mean? Like, and so it was fun that one of the big things I thought of with this song was trying to also tell my own story with stepping away from a substance and like the power I got from that. And that was the goal. The goal was to take it from the beginning of that journey and end it in this way that like, that would make people who are also struggling with it to know what it can feel like when you do it and to know like that you can feel like this most days when you're off of it because you if it is something that really did drag you down like the other side of it is just it's so much more fulfilling like you know being away from it for so long i would just like I ended up going to a bachelorette party for one of my best friends and having the craziest, best time of my life. Two nights going bar hopping sober and just like dancing in public sober. sober. And it was, and I had like the best two days of my life. I get emotional thinking about it because it was so phenomenal. That like, that had locked it in for me then.
0: So what is that emotion about right now that that you're experiencing?
1: It's, it feels like you just, for me, it's almost like it feels like the end of like the Lord of the Rings when you return to the Shire, like you <clears throat> like you've not only achieved the thing you want that you want to achieve so badly, but you get to return home and go back to peace and you return like for me it was like returning to this wonderful childlike state of of just being alive was happy. And just everything was phenomenal. Things weren't phenomenal because I had something in me that made them seem more phenomenal at that moment. Things were phenomenal because they were phenomenal. I I just would stare at the grass more. I would, you know, just, I noticed these little things like that. And um, it's just, it's very triumphant. It's triumphant for myself. Cause it's one of those things that, you know, few of my friends really knew how far I was going with it. And the mm-hmm. few that did, they were always there to be like, Hey man, like, you're still doing it. Congrats. Like, we're proud, like happy for you. And it's, I also felt I didn't even need any of that. Cause I had it with myself so strongly that I was like, good job, Frank. Like you're doing it. Like it was a fight that I was winning at a time when I had said earlier, that was the time before i kind of was getting into writing music where I was kind of just lost. And I got to lean on this thing that was like, this is going to be very hard. And I kind of like that. And every day it's going to be hard. And every day I'm going to you know, miss my ex and want to turn to this thing. And every day it's going to be awful not having that thing there. But for some reason I ha- I was like, some reason it's going to pay off. I'm going to be real happy I went with this. And I think if I, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't, but the fact that it led to me making music and fully leaning into that and having such a clear mind 24 seven to work on it. I mean, I can't ask for anything else. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a powerful story and an inspirational one. It's not easy to do, so I—no pun intended—applaud you <laughs> for that because that's that's huge. So I really appreciate, you know, that that you have taken the time to write something for drug story theater that captures really part of your story and how yeah. you experiencing it. So, can we um, can we play that? yeah (laughs) we got got some fans out there so tell me a bit about about what you're saying there Um, it's it's a really interesting approach to Substance use and mm. and treatment and recovery tell me a bit about it
1: I think the like undoubtedly the first thing that popped into my mind was like it's a journey um, a very close friend of mine, a few have gone through you know ended up sadly suffering like well beyond anything I ever have with it and um, one of them in twelve step and the recovery you know talking to them about it was also wildly helpful that I had this year of being in contact with this friend of mine learning their side of things too and knowing like my story was this lesser of the potential giant evil that can exist in some people and so for me I also I really wanted to like try to I had to as I think artists do and with a story I had to make it I had to make it bigger. And for me, the biggest thing was it's a journey. And I knew it was a journey. And I knew I wanted the big like slaying the dragon moment. The moment of kind of like for me, that was breaking through the wall. And I think breaking through the wall was just accepting that I'm proud of myself for doing this thing. And I don't think I'm restricting anything on my life. It was a battle of just like finally really being proud of doing this thing and it's it's for me it's a big like it's the finale of a musical it's a take a bow for yourself for even accepting for even thinking the thought that you know what i really think i might have a problem with this and yeah. having that first thought and being able to look at yourself like truly and really dig in on yourself i think that's that and it's in and of itself deserves a round of applause you know it
0: is, it is true that I, I really believe the very first step uh, in recovery is responsibility
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and realizing it's, it, it is your life and you get to choose. And off air, we were, we were talking a bit about superpowers and you know mm-hmm. you, you said that, that that was part of what got you inspired in attempt to be a superhero, but you know what? Frank, you have a superpower this is it. The superpower is bringing hope and joy to other people through your music, through your acting, through your creative process and sharing that. That is a superpower. Never, ever underestimate that.
1: Much appreciated.
0: For real. Any other music that you can share with us or little bits? You got your keyboard right there. You feel comfortable doing that or um, you'd rather not. You don't have to. I don't want to put you on the spot.
1: I mean, Tom, if you can play things from your computer, I think if there's one other thing I could do, I picked up the ukulele about a month ago. Um, Ah. Brand new, but before I even tried learning fundamentals, I just started making songs because I found some chords that worked and I was like, I'm going to start writing words. Um, And there's one on Instagram that could, I would be more than happy to show sure if, if we can do that yeah. while you're looking for that I, I just want to go back to this music theory part because yes there's <laughs> music
0: theory but there wasn't music theory when all this started it was so just true. music my god yeah it was just yeah. music and then people started realizing you know we can do this and do that and this and this but it was just the music
1: all right so what do we got Ooh. here so that middle top one tom i'm pretty sure it's called i'm not the lead um gonna end up
0: okay let's hear one this my
1: main tunes and this was one of the first things I made on the ukulele I gotta
0: breathe I'm dropping down on my knees gotta come clean I'm being all I can be I'm being me Whoa. I gotta pee Sorry this isn't my scene, I'm not the lead, I'm on page 73. I
1: wanna see the world through eyes of someone other than myself. I wanna rise up through the climax and resolve with someone else, I wanna fuck it up. I'll be the deus ex machina I'm gonna jump in the crowd and come rock with her You gotta jump in the crowd and come flock with us We gotta open the sounds of the commoners I got the hope with the doubts and the ominous I got the hope that there's power in love and lust I got the hope that there's power in all of us Yeah It too and it's no surprise, you will shine. <clears throat> in time, you'll find yourself
0: way too far inside yourself. You
1: can go outside for help, stand in hell, and raise that motherfucker, but you're breaking your soul beside yourself. How will you describe yourself,
0: you don't have to cry for help, Stand in
1: hell and raise that motherfucker like you're raining on a paper trail. So
0: it's got a real musical uh, quality
1: to it as well. Yeah. Musical theater. uh, It's something I can't get away from. And it was, I had sent, uh, I made a song for my parents for Christmas. It was called The Foundation. And it was kind of my, and it was for my parents and my sister of being like, hey gang, love you guys. This is for you. This is what I've been doing, making music. And I'd sent it to one of my family's like best friends. She's pretty much like my other sister. And I sent it to her to be like, what do you think? You think my folks are going to like this? And she was like, I'm shocked that it was good. I'm glad I don't have to tell you that, you know, lie and say, I think it's okay. She was like, I think I'm it's I'm shocked good. that it was good. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> this is new to everyone that I'm doing this. And she said, I'm I don't want you to take good. this. She was like, look, I don't, want to, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. She goes, but, you know, it sounds like like it could be in like a Disney movie. And I was like, that's like the best compliment I could ever mm. ask for. I was like, of course, like it's the storytelling aspect to all of it. That's it's right. very, um, that's something I... I just I can't get away from and I'm happy about that. I think it's a thing. I think it makes you lean in more so than you're just like letting like it's some like not that I not that there's anything against it but like you know those lyrics that are so non-linear lyrics that really make you listen 10 times to like get the idea you're going to get my idea pretty probably on like the first listen from words yeah. alone you'll you'll get that story. And that and that's
0: I think that is not an easy thing to do. That, I believe that is what a good lyric is. In musical theater in particular, in theater in general, I don't want the audience to think. You know, they can think later. Right. But in the theater, they, I want them just in that moment. I learned this from this guy, Will Leach, who um, he was the uh, director for Pirates of Penzance on, on Broadway many, many years ago. Um, and he said, you don't want the audience thinking. You just want them in the moment and they can then talk about it later as much as they right, want. Right. And, and for that, the lyric needs to be right there. Sometimes lyrics are brilliant. You can, you can go dissect them. But you understand the story as, as the performer is doing it. So you're absolutely right. You know, it's so much fun. Uh, Maybe I'll get back to writing musicals, too.
1: Oh, you absolutely should. Oh
0: well, Let me just finish this last book, and I'll get on to the musicals again and go back to it.
1: How many books so, have you written?
0: Four. I've got oh, my fifth book is coming out in the fall. I'll let, well, people, I'll, I'll let you know about it a little later on. Yeah. We're told with Frank now. So, let, so we've got a few minutes left. So the show is built around the I Am approach, and we're always doing the best we can. Um, influenced by four domains, your home, social domain, biological, and how I see myself, how I see other people, how I think they see me, the IC domain. The domains interconnect, so a small change can have a big effect. That small change that you guys met has had a big effect. But just think about that, that small change. Every friend was once a stranger. But small changes have big effects. What small change can you recommend to our listeners regarding music, Frank?
1: I would I would highly encourage everyone to pick up some instrument and do it on the side on their own time because I am I cannot explain enough how much of a dis- a disconnection there is between me and my fingers and me and any knowledge of music at all and I have fallen I've fallen madly in love with it it's my main love and i think having something like that having it's a creative outlet that anybody gets to enjoy because all it takes is picking an instrument and learning that instrument give yourself something i think a creative outlet is just there's nothing holds holds a flame to it no amount of working out no amount of all these other things you do that can really help out having a creative outlet i think as for me saved my life and you know join join the world of music i think people think it's this thing that you know the music people are there and they're here and it's like no like i wish the whole world just would pick up an instrument we all and everyone played a played a damn song you know
0: yeah it's a great 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 small change folks just pick up an instrument play some music it doesn't need to be anything other than give you joy and it'll give other people joy Absolutely. second rule of the i am You control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be.
1: Frank I. Quinta, what
0: kind of influence do you want to be?
1: I want to spread hope, Dr. Joe. You nailed it on the head earlier. I just, I believe hope is the most powerful, fundamental essence that exists. And I want that to be so deeply instilled and rooted in every movement of every human and, That's what I'm going to spend the next 70, 80 years doing on this planet. And I hope I want to make a little impact in that way.
0: You will. Frank, thanks so much for being on the Dr. Joe show. Tom, as always, Ben, we'll be back next week. We'll see you guys all then. Bye, folks.